Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. It's my destiny. It's my destiny. So this is the fourth and final week, and I have just enjoyed preaching this series. I hope that you have enjoyed it, and I believe today is going to be just life-changing for us um, individually and corporately. During this series, we followed Joseph's journey, the Old Testament uh, Joseph, uh, and we followed his journey to his God-ordained destiny. And Joseph had a dream, but God had a destiny for him. You see, you have a dream on your life, but God has a destiny for your life. Amen? You're going to have to get with me this morning, church, okay? I've, I've got a lot of, I've got like 13 years to cover of his life today, so you got to get with me, okay? He had a dream, but God had a destiny for him. And I told you that God's plans will exceed your ability to dream. Your destiny is greater than your dream. We followed his life as he was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. And I told you that the pit stop is necessary as it gets you ready for the next leg of the race. And then last week, we looked at the false accusations that were made about him and how that led to his imprisonment. He, he didn't deserve it. It was unfair. It was placed on his life anyway. And sometimes we reach the prison of life through seasons of injustice. We don't deserve it, but they happen anyway. And though it seemed dark, Joseph was getting closer and closer to his dream and, more importantly, God's destiny for his life, and he probably didn't even realize it every step of the way. As I have said throughout this series, you can't rule the known world from a small, remote settlement in Canaan. You have to get to Egypt to rule the known world, and, and that's exactly what God was doing every step of the way. You know, when you're chasing a dream church, there's this tendency to focus on me, me, me. When you have plans, when you have a dream, it, it, it's so easy to get focused on yourself. Uh, this this is, is one of the great battles, one of the big concerns for the dreamer, is that when you're dreaming, it always seems to focus on you. And, and I can tell you this, that the... The natural, the selfish drive that we have to look out for me first is contrary to God's word. It's not the way that Jesus taught us to lead. It's not the way that, that we're taught through his word biblically to, to pursue God-given dreams in our lives. And I can tell you that the success of Destiny, Destiny Community Church has been, is, and will always be our heart to serve and to live for others. Others in this room as we serve each other. Others outside of these walls as we serve them. And I can tell you this, that personally, the success of your personal life will be based upon your ability to serve those that God has put in your life. Well, one person agrees with me. You know why? It's because you're focused on me, me, me. And your ability... To walk into your God-given destiny, it hinges upon your ability to serve the people that God has put in your life. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 39, Genesis 39, and today, like all the weeks of this series, I want you to leave your Bibles open. I'm going to be reading and, and exhorting for a few moments and then going back and reading some more, and so that's, that's going to be the remainder of, of this service today. So just stay with me in your Bible or on your digital device. Genesis chapter 39, let's pick up where we left off, starting with verse 21. 
It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Somebody say amen to that. The Lord was with Joseph in his prison, in the prison, and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. You know, church, one of the things that impresses me the most with the life of Joseph is his ability to shine even in the times of adversity. He just has this ability to just do his best and, and, and to shine even when times are tough. As a servant in Potiphar's house, he excelled. As an inmate in Pharaoh's prison, he excelled. And so it doesn't matter the hardship on his life, Joseph has this ability to shine, to excel even in, in tough circumstances. He had this mindset to serve no matter what he was going through, and serving, it's the breath that keeps your dream alive. I want to say that again because I want to make sure that you understand what I'm telling you today. Serving is the very breath that keeps that dream alive inside of you. If the enemy can cause you to stop serving, then he can rip that dream out of your life. But, but we, need, we, we, we need to serve because it, it, it's the resuscitation that we need at times to keep that dream alive. James 2 and 26 says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. And so we've, we've got to do good works in order to keep that dream alive. You, you've got to learn to live holding a, a broom in one hand and the desires of your heart in the other hand. You've got to learn to, to gird yourself with a towel and wash feet with one hand and hold on to the promise with the other hand. When, when you scrub a toilet, Pastor Andrew, when you scrub a toilet with one hand and you hold on to your dream with the other, God is going to send others to dream with you. But it only comes through your serving. Verse chapter 40 and verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Joseph kind of takes care of these guys in prison. He looks after them. He watches out for them. He has their back. It's up until this moment that all throughout his life, Joseph has been dreaming by himself. He's the only one that has this dream. And nobody is helping him pursue this dream. He is dreaming by himself. He has no one that dreams with him. When we first rolled into Newberry in 2006, we were dreaming by ourselves. Mandy, we were dreaming by ourselves. And there were no guarantees that anybody was going to show up and, and, and be at our first service. There was no guarantees at all. We, we were paying family members to be there, and, and some of them showed up. So we were just praying that God would send laborers. We, we had this dream. God, please just send us someone to serve with. Just send someone to be with us. And what I have learned about dreaming in my own life is I have learned that, that dreaming is both contentious and contagious. 
Dreaming is both contentious and contagious. Dreamers, they attract discouragers. Oh, you start sharing your dream and, and watch someone throw you into a pit. You start sharing your dream and, and you, they'll, they'll come out of the woodwork. They will show up and they will discourage you. I remember in, that, in the old student center in our first sanctuary, we were remodeling. Man, when we walked in, there was green carpet and green pews and, and, and chandeliers, old chandeliers. It looked, like a, it looked like an old funeral home from the 80s. And we walked in, and I just said, oh, God, we got to do something. So I started going around preaching at other churches, at friends' churches on Sunday mornings, and they'd take up an offering, and I'd bring it back, and we'd buy carpet, and we'd buy new light fixtures, and we'd buy paint. And by the grace of God, someone donated chairs to us, and we got rid of the pews. I hope that doesn't offend you, but... but I don't care. And, um, and so we got rid of the pews, and, and we made it more comfortable for people to come to church and, 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 and sit on nice chairs, very similar to what you're sitting on right now. And then we graduated to folding padded chairs in the middle school. Who figures? So, what, but I remember this one day. I, I, was, I was on the stage, and I was up on a ladder, and, and I, was, I was hanging a projector and we had this, this huge screen on the back of the stage that came down over the baptistry that we installed. And it was way too big for that stage, way too big. But we, we put it there anyway. It's all we had. And I was, I was hanging this projector. And this, this pastor of a church that's nearby, um, he's, he's licensed with the same denomination I am. You know, it's a, it's a brother in Christ. And, and, and he shows up, and when he steps in through the back door of that, that old student center, as I'm hanging this projector, he walks in, and the first words out of his mouth, I'll never forget it, first words out of his mouth, he said, that'll never work here. I said, excuse me? He says, you obviously don't know where you're at. This is not Tampa, young man. People around here, they're, they're never going to get into that. In other words, he was telling me, you better put a hymnal in the pew, and forget about all of those, those choruses that you're going to sing off that, sh that screen, you know. Forget all of those modern worship songs. That's what he was trying to tell me. And I just said, well, we're going to give it our best try. We had a few more awkward exchange of words there. And um, he left. And I've never invited him to come back and visit me ever again. But, because dreamers, dreamers attract discouragers. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm not, I don't have the time to get into it today, but, but even after we've moved into the, onto this property, there's people nearby that have discouraged <laughs> the process. I don't know who's watching right now, so I'm going to be really, really good, okay? <laughs> praying every day, praying every day. It makes me think about Nehemiah. When Nehemiah returned from, from Babylon and he was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, and he was sharing this dream and this vision with the, the people of Jerusalem. And everyone was excited to work and he had laborers with him. But man, let me tell you, the, the discouragers, they showed up because it was there that, that, that Geshem, Sanballat, and Tobiah, these three men, they showed up and they just started discouraging him. He was up on the wall working and, and they tried to get him to come down just so that they could argue with him. And eventually they wanted to, to kill him over this stuff. And they mocked him and they ridiculed him because Nehemiah was a dreamer. He, he knew what needed to happen to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem because dreamers, they attract discouragers. But thanks be to God that dreamers also attract dreamers. Woo! 
Dreamers attract dreamers. As I began to, to share the vision of this church with, with, with just a few people that would meet on Wednesday nights, and, and we, were, we, were, we were sharing vision, and, and we, were, we were casting vision to them, and we were trying our best to get them on board, it didn't take long for more people just to start showing up to help carry the load. And, and, and what started with just 15 people on our first Wednesday night, eight of them related to us, what started with 15 soon, about a month later, we had 35 people that were showing up. 35. And for some reason, that was my magic number. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. 35 was the number. And I was like, if we have 35 people, we can launch and, and, and plant this church. We can, we, can, we can make this thing happen. Well, 35 people showed up, and I started putting job descriptions in their hands. Here's how you become a greeter. Here's how you run the sound. Here's how you work in children's ministry. Here's how you, you well, I was going to say park cars. We, we didn't need anybody parking cars. We didn't have any cars to park. We didn't have anybody. But here's, here's, here's how you do things, and, and we want you to be a part of this with us. And we launched and, and, and God just sent laborers to us. And every time that we've reached that next plateau, that next phase where we knew God was calling us to another level, every time we share the vision, God sends laborers to DCC because dreamers attract dreamers. Dreamers attract dreamers. Genesis chapter 40, verse 5. While they were in prison... Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Man, I love how in tune with God he was. He says, if you want to know what it means, God's going to have to do that. But I'm the conduit for you to find that out because I'm directly connected with God. So tell me your dream. But you know, I've been thinking about this, and it's hard to help someone else with their dreams when you're waiting on your dream to come to pass because we are naturally focused on what? Me, me, me. And it's so hard to help someone else with their dream when it feels like your dream has been forgotten. Early on in our, our building fundraising, and for some of you that have been around here for a while, you'll, you'll know this. This just became second nature to us. But, but early on, as we started raising funds to, to build, and we didn't even have plans yet. We just knew we needed to raise $500,000 before we would consider breaking ground. And, and I realized that if we were ever going to see our dream come to pass, that we had to first invest in someone else's dream. And so I challenged our church for years. I challenged our church. I said, during the first quarter of the year, don't give to our building fund. Let's give to missions. And it, it didn't make sense because we needed a church home. But God was speaking to us to invest in someone else's dream. So instead, we began focusing our giving towards the hope and dreams of orphans around the world. And, and God used to used us, used DCC to meet the needs of children in, in, in Haiti and Guatemala and, and the heart of Florida Youth Ranch in, in Citra, Florida, 
God just used this church thousands upon thousands of dollars over those years that we just sent. And we still, to this day, we still continue to send those funds. And we were dreaming of a permanent home for ourselves, but they were dreaming of a place just to lay their head down at night. They were dreaming about where they were going to get their next meal, food to survive. They were dreaming about someone that would just care enough that their needs could be met. And at the moment that we started sowing into someone else's dream, our building fund expedited. I could show you the charts. When we started investing in someone else's dream, this very slow climb, it, it, it started to skyrocket. And before you knew it, we were sitting on $500,000 to invest in this project. But we had to learn as a church not to become so focused on us that we don't help someone else with their dream. Joseph had to learn to care about others and not just himself. Remember when he first told his father and his brothers his dream? This is what his dream looked like. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down before me. My father, my mother, and my 11 brothers were bowing down before me, me, me. This is the problem with the dreamer. With everything that, that, that is, is positive in our life, there's a negative side to it. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in that. And Joseph, he had some maturing that he had to do because he had to learn to not be so self-centered. His dream seemed so far away and he could have easily been so caught up in his own mishaps that he would forget to vest in others. But Joseph understood the spiritual law of sowing and reaping particularly sowing into someone else's life in order to reap the harvest in your own life. And if you want to see your dream become a reality, then you need to find another dream, someone else's dream to invest in. Genesis chapter 40, verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a, grape, a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place, for I was kidnapped from my homeland the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. In other words, it's an injustice in my life. I did nothing to deserve this. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. The birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, okay then. <laughs> this is probably not the outcome that the baker wanted. 
That's a whole nother sermon and a whole nother series. I don't have time to unpack all that, but the message for us right now is that not everyone will stick around to see God's dream fulfilled in your life. Not everyone will be there. And this is hard. This is hard for us to comprehend. Uh, during the first year of Destiny Community Church, there was this, this, this family. I mean, they actually started coming before we opened the doors, and, and, and man, they were a godsend. To this day, I'll tell you, they were a godsend to our church. I'm not sure that, that we would have been able to accomplish everything that we did during that first year without this family. And, 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 and they were involved in so many different ways. They invested their time, their, their talent, their treasure. They helped us remodel that sanctuary. And they were so excited for what God was going to do in our first year here at Newberry. But, but, but we, we had a difference of direction on where we were going and where they wanted us to go. And at the one-year mark, they, they left. And, and when they left, they took some extended family members with them. All in all, now get this, our church was running about 75, 80 people at the time. All in all, 15 people walked out. And it felt like it was devastating. And I just thought, Lord, what's happening? We're supposed to be growing a church. And, and this? And God spoke to my spirit and said, not, not everyone is meant to go with you every step of the journey. Sometimes there's a pruning that has to take place for new growth to flourish. It's why Abraham told his servants to stay with the donkeys while he and his son Isaiah went up on the mountain. He said, you stay here. You abide with the donkeys while we go up because in order for him to lay his son on the altar of sacrifice, he didn't need anyone to stop that vision, to stop the dream that God had given him and God was going to provide. But man, in order to get there, he needed, he needed to know that these people were not going to hold him back. You stay here with the donkeys. The baker was not going to see Joseph's dream come to pass. So he died. Just look at somebody and say, don't be the baker. Just don't be the baker. That's, that's a good word for you today. Don't be the baker. Genesis chapter 40, verse 20. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. Happy birthday, Pharaoh. And he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned, summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impelled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph. Isn't that the way it happens? You help someone, you do everything within your ability to get them promoted, and all of a sudden they, they forget you. Never giving him another thought is what the word says. It's hard to watch others be blessed while you're waiting on your dream. It's hard to watch others be blessed. I've told this story before, but for a short time, we had a couple that, that came to us and they interned in, under us. And... Um, Let's just say the work ethic was, was less than great. Let's just leave it like that. And they just up and left. They just, just decided we're, we're not going to stick around. We're gone. Just a few years later, I'm on Facebook one day. And there they are. They had been assigned to a church. 
that had a beautiful facility. I mean, if I could have picked that facility up and put it on this property, I would have in a heartbeat. Beautiful, modern, it was amazing. Now, you would think that I would celebrate that for them, right? Not at all. I was like, God, what are you thinking? What? what? Lazy? I'm sitting here busting my butt trying to, to build the kingdom of God, and you give them that building? You don't even love me, do you? Don't act like you've never had those conversations with God. You may not have said it out loud, but you thought it. And man, I'm just I'm having my own pity party. And I'm just like, God, you you don't love me, you love him more. And and but but this 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 is that that pride that has to get out of the way because it's hard to watch others be blessed when you're holding out and waiting on a dream. And, and once again, I'm sure to Joseph, it feels like another nail in the coffin, right? Just another nail in the coffin. He's sitting in prison and his dream is wasting away with him. That's how it appears. But don't forget that with each nail that was hammered, Jesus was one step closer to his destiny. With each nail that was hammered, he was getting closer to saving our souls because he had to die in order for us to live, church. 1 Corinthians 15 and 36 says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And, and so before your dream can live, something has to die. Sometimes it's the pride inside of us that has to, drop, to die. That's what had to die in me. Sometimes it's the disappointments of what could have been and what should have been. Those have to die. Sometimes it's the disappointments of who you wanted to go with you on that journey. That has to die. And when your plans fail, his plan is just getting started. When it feels like your plans have completely fallen apart... God says, this is perfect. I'm not going to get you there the way that you thought I was going to get you there. But if you'll just stay faithful, I'll get you there. And Joseph continues to sit in prison for two more years after that man goes to work for Pharaoh. For two more years. He's just sitting there, just just. Holding out hope, God, please don't forget me. You've given me a promise. Don't forget me. And then it happens. Pharaoh has a couple of dreams that bother him. As far as we know, Joseph has never met Pharaoh. In one of his dreams, Pharaoh is standing on the banks of the Nile River. And, and there's these seven fat, healthy cows that come out of the river and, and they just start grazing. And then all of a sudden, there's, there's seven scrawny, thin, malnourished cows that come up out of the river. And they eat the healthy cows, but they don't gain any weight. In the second dream, there were seven heads of grain that were full and beautiful, all growing from a single stalk. And, and, and there was seven pathetic shriveled heads of grain that were weathered by the east wind and they show up and they eat the seven healthy grains, uh, uh, heads of grain. And, and, and no one in Pharaoh's court can tell Pharaoh what these things mean. Nobody has an interpretation for him. And that's when it hits the chief cupbearer. He's like, oh, I forgot about this guy. Pharaoh, buddy, man, there's this guy that I met in, in, in prison. His name is Joseph, and he told me that I was going to be restored to active duty serving you, 
And he also said that the baker was going to be impaled. And it all happened. This guy has the answer for you. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph shows up in Pharaoh's court. And he tells him his dreams. And Joseph says, listen, it's not for me to interpret this. It's for God. But here's what he says. God wants you to know that your two dreams are, are one and the same. They both have the same message for you. He says, Pharaoh, for seven years, you're going to experience plenty. It's going to be some good years. He said, immediately following that, there's going to be seven years of famine so harsh that people will forget about the previous seven years of plenty. He says, if I was you, Pharaoh, you didn't ask me, but here's my advice. You need to store away for seven years as much as you can. You put the good grain aside. You, you store away in preparation for the seven years of drought. And he says, if I was you, I would put somebody in charge of that. Here's my resume. No, no. He does. He says, if I was you, I'd put someone in charge of that. Pharaoh begins asking around, who could we possibly get to do this? And then it hits him. Pharaoh says, you've got all the insight. God's given you all the insight on this. He said, why don't I just put you in charge? Wait a minute. Maybe you're forgetting about the past and the history. This can't be happening, right? Do you know how many people made phone calls to Pharaoh that week? How many emails he received saying, Who, have you lost your mind to put this guy, Joseph, to put him in charge? I love the grace of this story, church. Think about what Joseph had to overcome. It seemed impossible. He was sold into slavery, accused of raping an Egyptian officer's wife, he is sentenced to prison. Most people would give up on their dream at this point. I mean, what's the use? No one will ever trust a convicted rapist in that position. But church, your past does not have the power to dictate your future unless you allow it to. It doesn't matter how bad it has been. It does not matter what charges were brought against you. I'm telling you, if you allow it to, it will dictate your future. But if you will stand upon the word of God and the hopes and the dreams that he has for you, there is nothing. The hounds of hell cannot stop what God wants to do in and through your life. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 says, but forget all that. Somebody say, forget all that. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you, see, do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, it says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Get this. 
13 years passed between the time that he dreamed as a 17-year-old and the day that he stood before Pharaoh. 13 years. At 17 years old, he was young, he was immature, he had a dream that God gave him, but he did not know how to share that dream. At 30, he is made vice president of Egypt, the number two man in the most powerful country in the known world at the time. But, 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 His true destiny wasn't actually fulfilled at that moment. That's just his dream. It's not until he reaches his 40s that God shows him his destiny. Joseph did such a thorough job that people came from all over, even outside of Egypt, to come and get food. He made Pharaoh a very rich man during this time. People were coming to buy food from all over. And wouldn't you know it? Jacob, his old father, that thought his son was dead. He believed the lie about his son. That when he was 17 years old, wild animals devoured him. He believed it. He saw the bloody coat of many colors. He's still alive, and he sends his sons to Egypt. I hear that they have grain, and we're starving to death. Go buy us some grain. They show up, and they don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. Now, at this moment, I thought that I would would put a picture up on the screen of 17-year-old Rocky and 40-plus-year-old Rocky, but you guys are notorious for taking pictures of the screen. And so I'm not doing it. I'll teach you. But how many of you can agree with me that you don't look anything like your old 17-year-old self? Now listen, if you're 18 years old, shut up. If you're in your early 20s, get ready. But how many of you can agree you don't look like you used to? Joseph didn't look like he used to. Last time they saw him, he was a scrawny 17-year-old, pimple-popping little punk. Now he's sitting on a throne, vice president of Egypt. They don't recognize him, but immediately he recognizes them. And I'm so thankful for God's grace, even in our lives, even even sometimes when when we we get rid of the pride, but it, it wants to rise up a little bit because he plays a few little head games with his brothers we don't have time to get into all that, but thank God for God's grace that sometimes even, even when we are getting it right, we still get it wrong sometimes. He plays some games with his brothers and eventually he reveals his identity and he sends for his father. Can you imagine the reunion that he had with his father? The first week of the series, I told you to remember That verse out of chapter 37 of Genesis, it said, but his father kept this matter in mind. His father might have been the only other person on the planet that might have believed in the dream with him. Your father... might be the only other person that believes the dream with you sometimes 
But as long as he's believing it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. The naysayers, they don't get to order my steps. The liars, they don't get to order my steps. The enemy doesn't get to order my steps. My heavenly father does. He and only he, he reserves that right to ordain my steps. God puts him in a position to not only save his, his brothers and his father, his family, they relocate to, to Egypt, and, and from there, there's so much history that comes out of all of that. I don't have time for that. But man, God uses him in such a great way. His dream was for his father and his mother and his 11 brothers to bow before him. His destiny was to save the known world from starvation. Your destiny will always exceed your ability to dream. God's revealing, He's been downloading to me our destiny. And I've been praying, God, send us laborers. Send us laborers. God has been faithful to give us this. But this is not our destiny, church. This is a building. It is concrete, drywall, metal, I don't know if there's any wood in this building, to be honest with you, but it's a bunch of construction materials. That's what this is. He gave us a glimpse and actually satisfied our dream. That's even what we called our campaign to raise money. We were building the dream. But church, it doesn't stop with this. God's challenging me right now. We're good at ministering to our Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the world. But God's, God is challenging us as a church to reach our Judea and our Samaria. We're good here and we're good here. But God is saying, I want this one and this one. And we've only scratched the surface of what God wants to do in this, in this church and through this church. We'll get there. God's downloading and I'm listening, I promise you. We'll get there. But let's talk about you personally. Your marriage? 
Do you have a dream for it? Your family. God's given you a dream. Your career. It's not carnal. No, God wants to bless you. God wants to make you successful. Now, you might have to go through some hardship to get there. But it's God's plans for you to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God, God wants to do that. But don't you forget, if you want to accelerate to your dream, realize these two things. First, serve your way there. You find someone else's dream and you invest in that dream and God will bring yours to pass. The second part of that. Is realize that when God begins answering your dream. It's going to be so much bigger than what you ever imagined. If he gave it all to you at one time. It would scare you. I can tell you from my own life's experience. If I knew in 2006 what I know right now, I'm not sure I was mature enough or brave enough to walk it out. If I shared with you right now what God has promised me for this church, it would scare some of you. And if God poured everything that he has for your life out on you right now, if he downloaded all of it to you right now, it would scare you. But he's going to grow you. And he's going to mature you, just like he did Joseph, right up into your destiny. And it will be exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.